0: Not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Amen. So I'm teaching a class at Belmont this fall that's called The Good Life to a group of 16 first-year honors students from a variety of departments. My job is to engage them in class and through their readings in different perspectives across time, class, race, and culture on the subject so that then they can discuss and discern and decide for themselves what the tenets of a good life might be and more importantly how they might begin to put practices in place so that whatever they decide to do with their one wild and precious life they will be further along the path to a good life now on the first day I told them that while I am their professor and a priest I cannot tell them what the good life is mostly because it is each person's responsibility and right to decide for themselves how they want to live in this particular moment from their different contexts, with their distinct gifts, and given their individual faith. But this coming Tuesday, I will hand them today's lectionary texts. James. He makes it crystal clear that God's design for us is to have a good life. And he gives us the positive guidance for pursuing it. The psalm teaches us how to pray for this life and how to protest against the influences that that threaten to take our good and God-given life away. And the gospel? Well, it shows how the forces of darkness lurk inside us and all around us, but the new life is always waiting to be born in us if we follow the wisdom of God and not the ways of the world. I will offer them God's word, God's wisdom, on the way to the good life, and ask that they consider this question, the one I put before you this day. Is the wisdom which informs your life born from a loving, life giving God, or born of the ways of the world? Do your works in the world demonstrate the divine spark that created you? Or the powers of darkness that hold you captive? Do you live a life in submission to the ways of the world? Or have you surrendered to the ways of God? Are you pure and peaceable, gentle and willing to yield, full of mercy and kindness? Or are you bitter and envious, boastful and deceiving? What does your life demonstrate? What do your works reveal? With what posture do your good works emerge? Submission to the ways of the world or surrender to the Holy One? From what love does your life flow? The love of the world? with the love of God. I venture to say there's not one of us here who doesn't want to live according to the wisdom from above, but there's also not one of us here who doesn't need to hear these texts again this morning and to start anew and getting after the work of self-examination, prayer, and action that the scripture calls us to this morning. The task set before us is to be honest, to examine our lives, to mine our deepest thoughts, to observe our action with an eye toward recognizing when wisdom is coming from above, And when wisdom is coming from below, the way to a good life, the way into the good life, is to recognize these things and then to draw near to the wisdom of the Holy One, to turn away from the madness of the ways of the world and toward the one who brings a different kind of good life, of peace and prosperity. So hard to look. But if there is bitter envy, selfish ambition in our hearts, if we are boastful and false to the truth, then there will be disorder in our hearts and in our homes and on the streets and in our world. If we are pure and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield, we are full of mercy and love and joy and patience and kindness and generosity and self-control, and we are all these things without partiality and hypocrisy, then we will know peace. We will grow peace. We will see peace in our time. I mean, it's so obvious. But it is an enormous task. But what I love about these texts is that they remind us that what is up for debate is not what will make a good life, but rather if we are willing to pursue it, regardless of the costs. And this, I believe, is at the heart of discipleship. This, I believe, is what the actual disciples had such a hard time understanding. This, I know, is what Jesus demonstrated in his life and even in his death. Living into the ancient wisdom of the divine order of things, discipling in the way of the cross and Jesus, surrendering to the divine spark embedded in us, We become the people that God designed us to be. We become the people the world needs right now. We move one step closer to bringing about the kingdom. If James reminds us of anything this morning, it's that wisdom, she orders things a very different way than the rulers of this world. The bullies and the power mongers and the rulers. They are no image of the divine creation that was set in motion at their birth. The world has just corrupted them. The ego has corrupted them. Greed and envy and malice and pride, they are not beautiful and they never produce beautiful things in us or in our families or in our churches or in our cities or in our world. And who are we not to be beautiful? God created us that way and we must return to the way of the one who created us. She made us for love. We were created with these qualities, born of the womb of this wisdom. And as James reminds us, if we just stay close to that mother God, that womb of wisdom, then she will draw near to us and sustain us in the good life. We must resist the ways of the world, because then the darkness flees from us. Disciples, you and I, we are called to live a life that shows through our works that we are shaped and formed with a kind of wisdom born from above. Not so that we might earn some favor with God, or a place in the kingdom of God, or the respect of the community, or get puffed up like those poor, pathetic, self-righteous disciples who want to be the greatest. But so that we are who God made us to be, and so that we are united one to another united in mission, united in action, united in love. That is how we move the needle. It's how we move the needle in our hearts and in our world. It's how we bring about a new world order, a land where there is no more disorder and wickedness of every kind and a harvest of righteousness that can be enjoyed by all. This is how we bring about the good life for ourselves, for our neighbors, and for all time. And this is how God brings about life. Even after death. Life available to each of us when we draw near So come with me this day and draw near to the wisdom of God and let it lead you to a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. A life that exhibits purity, peace, gentleness, mercy, and kindness because it is deeply embedded in you already. Amen.